0: That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca/canadaland to help us treat addiction and build hope. Sarah Haggy. hey Jesse, host of the hit podcast Scamfluencers and writer at Gawker, which just announced it's shutting down. Like. What, like an hour before we started recording this? I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was crazy news to wake up to.
0: That sucks hard. I've been enjoying your writing there, as I always enjoy your writing. Welcome to Shortcuts. Thank you. It's always fun to be here. On the show today, you calling us racist? We'll show you racist. Quebec loses its mayor over a federal appointment. Also, Canada, the nightclub with a two-drink minimum. No, wait, that's two-drink maximum? Welcome back to Shortcut, Sarah, where we talk shit about the news.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Today's episode is brought to everybody by Matthew Oliver, Sarah Byer, Karina Vester, Samuel Abrams, Julia Gibson, Evan Brand, Christopher Lee... And Kathleen.
1: I'm Kathleen, a theatre maker from Vancouver. I support Canada Land because I'm addicted to shortcuts. Every week, I'm excited to hear what rich, fresh perspectives Jesse and the guest journalists bring to the media. I even forgive Jesse for thinking that Twitter is important to most of us. I can recommend shortcuts as a gateway drug to the rest
0: of your programming, especially Canada Land, the White Savior Series, and Canada Land Back. The federal government is launching a new effort to tackle anti-Muslim hate. The idea
1: for the position stemmed from a national summit on Islamophobia that was held in July
0: of 2021. It's our hope that we can use this moment to spur a national conversation about the value of Canadian diversity including the richness of Canada's Muslim communities in our collective success as a nation. Sarah, that's how things started, this long-anticipated appointment of an anti-Islamophobia person with the Trudeau government. And it turns out that it's Amira al gawabi I don't really know Amira personally, but she's written for us before. She's written for the stars. She's lovely, wonderful, smart. I mm-hmm. thought like, oh, that's really exciting. That's how it started. But that's, that's not how it's going.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I heard the news that Amira would be hired for this position, I was very happy because I think she's brilliant. And I think she really cares about Muslims and the Muslim communities in Canada. But as someone who has been a part of a news cycle, I knew it would just be a matter of time before there would be some sort of backlash in a big way against her.
0: Yeah, it it did not take much time. And it it was—it was— Vicious.
1: En la gardant en poste, ben, il vient cautionner le mépris envers les Québécois.
0: Toit, Madame Algarobisette, um, is first of all false. We should not put all, we should not paint all Québécois with one same brush, and it's also hurtful
1: for 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 Québécois.
0: Ben, je trouve que c'est déplacé. C'est très déplacé ce qu'elle a dit. faut pas laisser planer que les Québécois seraient des gens systématiquement racistes. She must leave. Uh, for, Time is of the essence for her to hmm. recuse herself, excuse herself, or uh, to go. Sarah, this happens whenever an appointee, you know, is named. People go through their old social media posts, and you know, opposition critics will try to find something the person said. And often, when somebody is coming into politics and they didn't used to be in politics, you can find something. And there is further context to this because the Trudeau government kind of has egg on its face still from a previous, not an appointment, but they gave some grant money to an anti-racism group that was pretty much run by this guy, Latham Marouf. And when people scoured his social media posts, they found really horrible, virulent, really violent language and really racist language. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of in the shadow of that that I start seeing these headlines that there's just this overwhelming pressure and this outrage coming from Quebec against Amira. And I thought, oh, no, like maybe she did say something like, you know, what, what have they found? They're, they're so angry. And it, it, it just it built and built. Uh, people were calling her a racist. They called for her resignation. It wasn't just within the Quebec government. Tom Mulcair, the former NDP leader, wrote an editorial saying, she's the wrong person for the job. Because of past statements, she's not in a position to fight prejudice or build bridges. And Sarah, then it even came from Trudeau's own people. Here's Heritage Minister, Pablo Rodriguez. Retire
1: aujourd'hui.
0: He looks really upset and he's saying as, as a Quebecer,
1: oh. God. I am
0: profoundly hurt by her words. I'm profoundly insulted by her words. and I'm waiting for her to take them back. And it, it all mounts. And, and then the question is, is Trudeau, if his own people are looking like they're denouncing her, what's he going to say? And the first thing he says, it looks like he is going to throw her under the bus. He says he does not agree with her remarks and he expects them to be clarified. But it's true that I'm not in agreement with, with ses remarks. And I'm waiting for qu'elle to clarify. Okay, Sarah, what did she say? What did Amira say that has everybody so upset?
1: Okay, so I assumed it was all about Bill 21. And then hearing all this, I got kind of freaked out because I was like, "It all she said were things about Bill 21 and how they're racist. And after you, you said all that, I was like, no, there was nothing else, right? There was nothing else. Because the outrage is just so far beyond what it needs to be.
0: You are correct that it was in the context of Bill 21, but it was even more temperate, like just to say what I think is a fact, that Bill 21 is racist, is something that I'm very comfortable saying and that I know a lot of people are comfortable saying. But the actual comment Amira made was about a poll that was taken... She was talking about data. It wasn't some offhand comment. It wasn't like, like, and she's not really like that. She's not like me. She doesn't just mouth off. Like, she wrote a editorial with Bernie Farber that was based on a poll of Quebecers that found that 88% of Quebecers who hold negative views of Islam, the question is, is Bill 21 racist? Well, if you don't like Muslims, 88% of those people support the ban. And what Amira said was and this is the sentence that everybody seized on the majority of Quebecers appear to be swayed not by the rule of law but by anti-muslim sentiment commenting on the results of that poll so i don't know what to say like it's true like if quebec is going to be so so thin skinned about being called racist don't have a racist law that prohibits muslims from like being teachers There are so many layers to this. (sighs) I'm like, I don't know where to
1: begin. I mean, on a fundamental level, forget even the law, you know, being totally unjustifiable by anyone who believes in human rights. This is just a case of white people wanting to control how the thing they do is combated in this way where it's like, well— Well, I mean, she said this about Quebec. How could she possibly be able to bridge a gap? Like, it's like, it's just this insane logic that you see so often where it's like, okay, here's the thing that happens all the time. Here's a problem we have in our country. Here's a person who is appointed to a position where maybe they could do something about it in any small way by just legitimizing even that it exists and it's a problem. And the people who have seen the worst of it In their own province are the ones who want to police how it's dealt with. And this comes six years since the St. Foy mosque mass killing, and suddenly they're like, well, we actually don't want her. There's not even a solution you have here other than we don't want this person because we think she's racist against Quebec?
0: This is what they're angry about. Legault didn't even show up to the memorial for that. Like, this isn't one of those cases where with Islamophobia, you could say, well, it's bad here, but it's not as bad as the States. Like, that's a Canadian thing that happened. That's a Quebec thing that happened, right? Yes, yes. That's why this role is needed. And the bar that they set for somebody to actually be appointed to deal with this is, like, if Amira falls short of that, like, this is, like, sort of an exceptional person and— the Quebec establishment along with Tom Mulcair, along with Pablo Rodriguez, Pablo Rodriguez, I'm just going to digress for a second. Like, I'm tired of this guy. Heritage minister, he loves to talk about what a freedom fighter he is and how much he supports freedom of speech because he comes from Argentina. His father was persecuted, and he's going to be a champion for freedoms. But you can't pander to Quebec and perform like, I am profoundly upset. How dare you say? And what did she say? I mean, she's clarified since, and she said, I don't believe that Quebecers are Islamophobic. My past comments were in reference to a poll on Bill 21- I will work with partners from all provinces and regions to make sure we address racism head on. And I would like to say that I'm extremely sorry for the way that my words have carried, how they have hurt the people of Quebec. Sarah, the prime minister, to his credit, is backing her. Obviously, she has thought carefully over many years about the impacts uh, that various pieces of legislation, and various political positions have had.
1: Yes, and you know what? I'm very happy with that. You know, it's like, obviously, Amira was not hired in this position without a thorough check of things she said online, things she's written as a journalist, organizations she's been a part of. And what she said shouldn't be controversial in any universe. The fact that she even had to clarify gets me so deeply upset. You're talking about a woman who wears a hijab, who's in Ottawa, who— if you grow up in Ottawa or you live in Ottawa, you, you basically are in Quebec. I cannot get a job if I want to be a teacher in Quebec as I am right now because of something I wear on my head. Yeah. And, and I'm not supposed to say that's racist. Yeah. That I've experienced racism in this province, which I think I could safely say that it is a pretty fucking racist place. And that doesn't mean that you're throwing out a whole province, it means do better. Pointing out an issue shouldn't be a combative experience. It should be, this is what you are, you want to do better, here's how you can do better. I'm sorry, it, one person can't take down the whole province of Quebec <laughs> like by pointing
0: something out. The Star had an editorial that their response to this proves the need for her role, but it's kind of like, it's like how how can we expect for Quebec or candidates make any progress with this when this is the response to kind of like one of the best and brightest, like, we're lucky to have this person taking this on.
1: If anyone's capable of creating some sort of framework or even just the steps to getting that type of discrimination taken seriously, I do feel like it is someone like Amira. However, it is an insane undertaking that is so risky for her yeah. in the sense that, like, you mean, look what just happened right now, you know? And that's, like, those are the nice messages we're hearing from people who are calling her discriminatory. I can only imagine how much abuse she is getting and honestly will continue to get as long as she's in this role. And how, you know, insane the undertaking is, like, it, that's unpacking a whole system. Like, this isn't something that just happens out of nowhere. It takes so much time to get to a place where, A province could have a bill like this and generally seen as fine. There was some outrage at first, and now it's just normal. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. The pressure she's under is continuing, and it is heavy. Like, the Quebec National Assembly just voted this week 108 to 0. Three parties voted for this, and, and only one party didn't. And they abstained. They didn't even support her, Quebec Solidaire, And they all voted to demand that she be fired, I try through the practice of hosting the show over the years to like always try to like it's a it's a different culture and there's a rich culture. I try to see things from uh, Quebec's point of view and in many ways I've kind of like tried to come a long way with that. But they don't get to live in their own moral universe because when I try to put myself in the position of like who is offended by this, it's somebody who says to themselves, well, this isn't fair that we should be held up as like particularly Islamophobic – Because I'm not Islamophobic, even though these things happen here. And certainly they could point to like, you know, a family was mowed down by a motorist in Ontario. And like, oh, that's it's this is not just Quebec. It's all of Canada.
1: Yeah. And that's why she's working on a national level. It's it's everywhere. And I mean, yeah, if you're really that hurt, Quebec, you're kind of telling on yourself.
0: Like, that's so weird to me. Like, like, it's a not all Quebecers. Don't paint us all with that brush and therefore fire her. And she never even actually said that. So it's just very hard for me to have, like, the slightest bit of sympathy for this position. It's vicious. It's like it's a really—you know what cancel culture is? It's not a bunch of, like, random critics on Twitter saying this person did something bad. Like, it's it's when the state actually, like, just is trying to ruin someone.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: That's cancellation. And they're trying to cancel her right now. And I rarely say anything positive about a prime minister because I don't see him show a backbone that often. He's showing one with her— Uh, Now that she's clarified her remarks, I just hope that he stands firm with that.
1: I do, and I was also honestly quite shocked that he showed any form of spine here. (laughs) I was expecting silence, to be honest, on his end. Yeah. So that is uh, pretty surprising. But I guess the optics of like, oh, what, you're going to hire someone and then turn your back on them within a day would be pretty crazy also.
0: This episode is brought to everybody by Athletic Greens. Sarah, this may shock you, but I'm not the most nutritionally minded person. I don't take like the, the greatest care of myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I'm unwilling. Like winter is just like I'm going to eat the things that I want to eat. Mm-hmm. One thing I can do and that I have been doing is I can also consume things that are good for me. So AG1 by Athletic Greens is a powder. You mix it with water. I drink it first thing in the morning. It's got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals. It's got all those probiotics and prebiotics, all that like living stuff for your gut. I like to just do one thing that makes me feel like I'm taking care of it. I've got my vitamins. I've got my probiotics. I don't have to worry about any other supplements, vitamins, because I take AG1. If you are looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Canada That is athleticgreens.com slash Canada land. Go check it out. Sarah, we like to duly note stories that more people should know about. I've got one for us here today. Daniel Smith, the premier of Alberta, is calling out the CBC for fake news. The premier is demanding that CBC News retract and apologize a story that she says falsely reported that her office violated the independence of the Alberta court system by directly contacting crown prosecutors. Why did the CBC say they did this? Well, the premier's office allegedly was pressuring the courts, the crown prosecutor, to drop the charges against the Freedom Convoy truckers who've been charged for blocking the Koots border crossing. And Premier Smith says it's not true. She says that the CBC's reporting is defamatory. It's filled with baseless allegations. And she says she looked into it. She checked. And her people reviewed over a million internal emails to see if anybody sent anything to the courts. And there's no evidence of these emails that the CBC reported about. And she says, what's more, the CBC admits that they never saw these emails firsthand. Well, her supporters are outraged. This obviously looks like another case of the Justin Journos of the CBC cooking up fake news against a conservative premier. Defund the CBC. We're seeing that around. Journalists got to stop lying. Sarah, where might the CBC have gotten the idea that Premier Danielle Smith would even do something like that?
1: I put it to the prosecutors. I've asked them to do a review of the cases with those two things in mind. And I'm hopeful that we'll see a true turning of the page.
0: Because she said she did that is Premier Daniel Smith <laughs> telling Ezra Levant no. that she she said that she was she said, I put it to the prosecutors. I've asked them to do a review of the cases. That's where the story originated, is because she said she did this. But it turns out the CBC, who are standing by their story, had a lot more to go on than that. They said that they had multiple sources, not anonymous sources, confidential sources, the CBC knows who they are, who are within Smith's office and they confirmed to the CBC that people in that office sent emails to the Crown prosecutor. And as for the Premier's defense that she searched over a million emails and found no evidence, well, what she didn't say and, and what I had to find out from the CBC's editor blog is that the government of Alberta has previously let it be known that they delete emails after 30 days. So what I want to duly note is that it looks very much like the premier of Alberta is just bullshitting about this and misleading people. And I know that like the lying politician is like a trope. But like when you cover these people, sometimes you're like, wow, I, like, that is bold. You know, and like very carefully crafted wording. It's like, oh, I looked over a million emails, but not saying, like, it's just, it's just something that I wanted to uh, let people know about. Well, I have not heard of any of this, so thank you. (laughs) Jesse, duly noted. Sarah, what do you have to duly note?
1: Okay, I had a different thing to duly note, but because this morning Gawker got shut down, Mm -hmm. I am... Presenting to you the archive of Gawker.com, Gawker 2.0, New Gawker, as many people called it. Uh, I know it's crazy to suggest reading through a whole website, but I will say it was the last fun place on the internet, in my opinion. It's the only place I've ever worked at where we were truly able to write about whatever we wanted, for better or for worse. It was a place where you could Just truly make a joke and not have to think too hard about anything. And sometimes you could think really hard about things. So I encourage anyone listening to go to Gawker.com. Just go through the website, because there's some of the funniest stuff I've ever read on it. And I don't think anything like it will exist for a very long time, because no one wants to put money into websites that aren't about advertising.
0: Sarah, it was really good, and the writing was so sharp, and your writing was so sharp, and it was like a lot of really smart writing about just pop culture and things that people don't tend to take seriously, but you never took yourself seriously, and you had readers and were really sad about this, and I know that your voice will be back in like two seconds, and I'm (laughs) looking forward to reading you in a million places next, but this is sad. I really missed the first Gawker, and I'm going to miss this one too. Duly noted. Oh, thank you, Jesse. I want to duly note some internal emails that were leaked from the Thunder Bay Police Force, actually from the top of the Thunder Bay Police Force. John Thompson, a journalist in in Thunder Bay who we've worked with on our podcast and other things, he tweeted these leaked emails. And let me just read from this. Here's the first one from Acting Chief Tadeo. As many of you are aware a video streaming series called Thunder Bay will be airing on Crave specialty Channels starting on February 17th, 2023. Judging by the sensational and unfair nature of the trailer, it draws our community and our service into a negative light. I am aware that the trailer is disturbing, biased, and triggering for many of us. That's what the chief of police said to all Thunder Bay police. The other email is from another leader within the Thunder Bay police service, Jeff Elvish. And Jeff warned his fellow police officers, if you haven't seen the trailer, I'd recommend you not waste your time. Acting Chief Tadeo and I are both extremely concerned about the impact this will have on the mental health and well-being of our members. There are too many potential triggers in this series. When it's finally released, please fight the urge to watch it. It will only increase stress. The series is biased and only includes people who can forward a vile rhetoric. If they interviewed people who had positive things to say about our police service, it would be far longer than four episodes. Sarah, Ryan McMahon and the other people who made our TV series invited the police and its chief again and again and again to do interviews, and they refused. But they did get police on the record who broke ranks to expose all kinds of abuses within the Thunder Bay police force. So it's pretty rich for the cops to uh, be complaining that their point of view isn't um, reflected. But the thing I wanted to duly note was, like, the use of language of, like, this is going to be triggering to the mental health of our police officers. And we're concerned that this is going to be stressful and triggering for our cops is a really interesting appropriation of a certain kind of language. Mm Mm-hmm. We know about this police force. We've seen the videos of them assaulting people strapped to hospital gurneys. We know that they have been found to be systemically racist from top to bottom, and we know that they fail to investigate death after death of indigenous teens and others. And those cases were forced to reopen. That's why this series exists. That's why our podcast and this TV series exists. So I hope the Thunder Bay police do watch it Mm -hmm. despite the warnings of their police chief.
1: Yeah, I hope they watch it too. And I will definitely be watching Jesse, duly noted.
0: Help As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. All right, talk about a dry January. It's a major change of the guidelines around alcohol use. Experts recommending no more than two drinks a week. Two drinks per
1: week. According to new Canadian guidelines, anything above that increases your risk for several cancers. And yet, there are no warning labels like the ones you see on cigarettes. At least, not yet.
0: Two drinks a week, maximum. Guidelines announced. First of all, like, <laughs> the tone, the tone of these reports always strikes me like... Like it's like a news report about an alien species, like users of alcohol are being advised to curtail their activities. I've met journalists, Sarah they're like we drink. It's like puritan yeah. cosplay. I don't understand.
1: I think it's like, well, did you hear alcohol is actually bad for you <laughs> and it's like yeah it's very much like all right now who's going to be the most smug about this
0: and that's tonight's report let's go get shit faced like it's it's annoying enough when reporting on you know opioid abusers as if these aren't you know our relatives and you know like but yeah. when it's alcohol it's like really like It's very strange.
1: You can't have, like, a society revolve around drinking in basically every social setting and then suddenly tell everyone, like, okay, but actually you're only supposed to have two of these drinks a week. (laughs) I don't drink. I've never drank before in my life. But I'm like, okay, well, you can't just spring this up on people out of nowhere.
0: And it's like the same news reports that do all kinds of coverage of like restaurants are struggling for survival or musicians wondering how to pay the rent in a post-COVID world where live performance, like how much of the world is funded by alcohol, you know?
1: It's by design and I I don't know, it just feels very um, odd and sudden, like even though, yeah, I mean, I'm sure those guidelines do make sense, but also it's just very – very weird.
0: I want to talk about the guidelines themselves in a bit, but first just like I'm I'm kind of curious about like why are we hearing this now? And I, you know, the obvious answer is cuz the guidelines came up, and I'm like I could swear that I heard about this some months ago.
1: Yeah, there were some guidelines about alcohol consumption in general like
0: there was something the Globe and Mail put out months ago.
1: Earlier this week, the Canadian Center on Substance Use and Addiction, or CCSA, released a new report that says we actually increase risks to our health with just three drinks or more per week. And no, a tall can of beer doesn't count as one drink.
0: But Sarah, that story didn't get much traction, you know, and, and, and then I realized, like, why is this everywhere now It's January. It's dry January. And this this kind of story pops up every single year at this time of year. Here's a CBC story from January 2022. Alcohol should have cancer warning labels, say doctors and researchers pushing to raise awareness of risk. And it's the kind of news story that you can almost schedule. Mm -hmm. If you want people to cover a story on how alcohol is an evil, evil thing, this is the time to put it out.
1: Yes, exactly. Okay, well, I mean, now that I know it's a yearly story that creates its own whole news cycle, I uh, I fully understand.
0: <laughs> Here, here's the other thing. Like, the science is sound in that, like, there are studies linking kind of any alcohol consumption – to to cancer. But this idea that there is some sort of empirical truth that like we figured it out and it's two drinks a week or you get cancer. This is actually like somewhat arbitrary. Like the actual science says no risk is zero drinks. Okay, fair enough. And then it jumps and says 3 to 6 drinks is moderate risk of developing seven different types of cancer, which is very very scary. But that does not say that one or two drinks a week is no risk, right? Yeah, I think this was a case where they're like, well, if you tell people to stop drinking entirely, that's ridiculous, so we have to give a number. And one or two drinks, you're still within correlation with cancer, but they're negotiating with the public. Like, they have guidelines in the UK It feels totally arbitrary. They now have 14 units of alcohol a week in the UK because maybe that's where they figure they could sell to that population.
1: Oh, wow. In the UK, it's 14 and here it's (laughs) 2? Here it's (laughs) 2. That is very arbitrary in the sense that it's like, okay, anywhere between 2 and 14 and you won't die of cancer? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty big expanse there. And this is one of the things where like you take this information out onto the street and the disconnect from the both the guidelines and the reporting and just like human beings is immediately apparent. Let's hear some of the streeters that uh, have been on the news lately.
1: Do you drink more than two drinks a week, do you think?
0: Is this what I tell my wife or is this what they tell you?
1: Well, then I am definitely an alcoholic.
0: Well, that's just not uh, feasible, not in this country. That's not enough. You can't even get a glow with that. Two drinks a week, what's that going to do for you? I mean, that doesn't even get you through a day. It's heartbreaking, and I can't even believe it. What, can I have uh, two liters of pop? Can I have two liters of pop?
1: (laughs) That's so funny, especially because a lot of these people are reacting as though there's a new law in town, and it is... (laughs) You can only have two drinks. But also, as someone who doesn't drink, I'm re- wondering, is it just two of any drink? Is it two – like are all drinks created equal here in this new guideline? There are a lot of questions I have.
0: It's two units of alcohol. I like people who are like, that That does not get me drunk enough. I like, <laughs> I like just the honesty of that. I need to be more drunk than that. Yeah, there is no rule. These are just guidelines and there's just this very – kind of Amelia Bedelia way in which people very literally on the news are like, well, what are we going to do now? I guess we have to start putting warning labels the same way we did on cigarettes and we need to change the way that our streets are. You can't be hit up with alcohol ads and and LCBOs shouldn't be as pretty as they are or liquor stores mm-hmm. in different provinces should not be as enticing as they are. And I mean, it just sounds like ridiculous nanny state nonsense to me, but then I'm reminded like... These same arguments were made about cigarettes, that like, oh, this is like, you. Know, what are you going to do, force people out onto the street to smoke cigarettes? What are you going to do, stop sponsoring, you know, events and sports by cigarettes? Yeah, they did that, and yeah. it did drive down.
1: I do notice all the ways alcohol drives basically everything in our country. Like, you know, you have a job at a cool office, and there's a bar. <laughs> and it's every all socializing and you know networking is through drinks but it is it's just insane to put guidelines on you know a whole country and then be like well you know we've made it so easy for you up until now and have encouraged you to do this for so long and but you will get cancer if you consume more than 2 of these
0: yeah, I feel like we're really bad at discussing risk management, you know? It's like we are still stuck in this, like, Protestant hangover in Canada of, like, it's an all-or-nothing proposition.
1: I kind of thought it was pretty funny when I saw the the headline of the two drinks. I was like, come on, even I know that's crazy.
0: Sarah, that shortcuts for this week. Uh, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It, it's always a pleasure, Jesse. All
0: right, we're on Twitter at CanadaLand. I can be emailed at jesse at com. I read everything that you send. Sarah Haggy, where can people find you?
1: People can find me on twitter.com slash kindahaggy, and they can also listen to Scamfluencers anywhere. They listen to podcasts. It's a fun podcast.
0: Check it out. This episode is produced by Aviva Lessard with additional production by Tristan Capicione. Our managing editor is Annette Ejofor. Theme music is by So Cold. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. Listen, if you value this podcast, please support us. We rely on listeners just like you to actually pay for journalism. As a supporter, you will get premium access to all of our shows ad-free, including early releases and bonus content. You'll also get our exclusive newsletter. You'll get discounts on our merch, invites, and tickets to our live and virtual events. More than anything, you will be a part of the solution to Canada's increasing journalism crisis. You'll be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody. Just click on the link in the show notes or go to canadaland.com join. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.